0: awesome. So I've been playing with this a little bit. We're going to dig deeper into it. We're still in Judges, but before we move to these two major dudes in Judges, this dude, Samson, right? And before we move on to those guys, I want to look at something that causes, I think, people to go in these weird directions, and it's a direction that is not healthy, but it's so easy to do because it just fits our nature. It's easy to do this. And so I want to I, start with this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That's in Ephesians 4. In the futility of their thinking, Paul wrote this. And he wrote this for a reason. Because today we're going to address the topic of Mars Hill. Oh, that is frigging heaven right there. Praise Jesus. Hello from everyone. If there's anyone online, we love you guys. It's awesome. Those of you who watch later this week, that fan is so good. Hey, dry season is on us, man. I love it, dude. I got, I got in last night, late last night from Mexico, and uh, I was unloading stuff, and it's that weird dry season humidity. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the precursor of the pain. And it's like, dude, I know this heat. And I, I'm excited for it because of those of you that work the fields or work your land or do stuff. Rainy season's awesome, we need it. It fills our cisterns, it fills our wells and all that stuff, but it, you cannot get any work done whatsoever in rainy season if you're going to work the land. You just can't do it. You just, every, you know what I'm saying? So this is that blessing from God that dry season, instead of cursing it, be grateful for it, you know? And if you, if you don't have air conditioning, make friends with somebody who does, and go hang out with them. Like, bring them cookies or brisket or something and go, hey, can I come over? I need a little AC today. It's like, yes. So good. Anyhow, I have so much to cover with this. Um, the, I was looking and I thought, should I bring up the, what each of these gods represent in today's culture? Because Mars Hill is specifically dealing with the Greek gods. Here's the problem with this, okay? Okay. Let me show this to you. We typically think of the 12, when we think of Greek mythology, it's what we're taught. We sometimes, in Western teaching, we'll get to a point assuming that others will continue on with the study. So we typically will look at the Olympic gods of Greece and think that's who the gods are. So there's 12 of them. Do you realize there's 176 Greek gods and goddesses? 176 How many of those at Mars Hill which we're going to read in a moment how many of those altars were around that hill that Paul was dealing with Odds are there was 176 and there was one said to the unknown god to the god of the unknown Okay 176 here's the ones we know Zeus King of the gods and the god of the sky, lightning and thunder. Apollo, god of poetry, prophecy, art, truth, archery, healing, sun and light. Hercules, god of strength and heroes. Poseidon, god of the sea, earthquakes and horses. Hermes, god of messengers, travelers, boundaries. Ares, the god of war and violence. Hephaestus, god of fire, blacksmith, craftsman. Hades, the god of the underworld. Coronas, the pronostic... The personification of time. Dionysus, god of wine, celebration, ec- ecstasy. Eros, a god of love and desire. Helios, the personification of the sun. Bion, physician of the Olympic gods. The uh, Thanatos, the person of death. Triton, a demigod of the sea. Chaos, the uh, primeval void from which the universe and everything in it, originated. This goes on and on and on. There's 176, like I said. The problem with our world today is in our lives today. As we go into this, and I want you to look at it this way. The issue is that in Christianity, we'll stand up here as pastors and we'll tell you, man, you've got the God of Wealth, or something, you know, the demon—the demon of wealth is over you, or the demon of sickness is over you, the demon of fear is over you, and we'll name off about, you know, pornography, the demon of pornography, and the demon of this. We name about twelve, and we think we're done. We're not. We're far from it. Far, far from it. Because there's little things in our lives. Things that we don't really think about. But the Greeks had put it, and let me, let me propose this to you as we go to it. Man has a tough time with Jesus. Let's pray. I mean, it's thick. The enemy doesn't like a message like this. Satan does not like a message like this because what it does, it begins to it highlights areas that he doesn't want highlighted because there's areas in our lives that we think we're okay with but we battle with because we don't think anyone else is battling with it, but we made something our God. You see what I'm saying? So, Lord, open our, Jesus, this is your house. Jesus, we give you all dominion over this house. This is your place of honor. This is your place of hope. And we come here into your house to get rest and to be taught by your spirit. So you have free reign in this home. In all this property, in all of our homes, you have dominion. And nothing that anyone brought in or nothing that tries to come in has dominion here, nor has a voice in this house, for you have the voice. And we proclaim this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man has a tough time with Jesus. Now, you may sit here and go, no, we don't. Yes, we do. We have a tough time with Jesus because We we can be nothing. You and I can be nothing like him without him. We struggle with that. Oh, it's easy. It's like we were talking about coming out of the Christmas season. But you and I can be nothing like Jesus without him, even though we're made in the image of God. In the image, you portray who he is, but you cannot be him without him. Now, the world and all of what the supernatural sees the image of God, the power of what you can be. But because of sin, you could be nothing like him. I've shared this story before, I'll tell you again. We were doing, we were golfing back in the day where we all of us and it's business golf and it's typically all dudes, right? So you got all these dudes and we're all trying to make money. So we're marketing and we, you know, it's that whole thing. And as we're golfing, there's this lady that shows up in one of the foursomes. This lady is the closest thing to Eve I've ever seen. As a matter of fact, there's probably 225 guys golfing. And when that chick walked into the clubhouse, all 225 guys was like, it's silence. Like, oh my gosh, Like, I I don't want her on my team. Like, that's seriously what you're thinking, like when they're pairing up the teams. She's beautiful. All the way across the board. So she gets placed in this other foursome. I'm in our foursome. I'm with a bunch of friends of mine. We're having a great time. Well, golf courses, sometimes you'll kind of share a fairway. It's not the same fairway, but they're butted right next to each other, so sometimes balls will go on both fairways. So we roll up, and a friend of mine Hits his ball, and we're all trying to. I didn't have to, where ever, I never worried about hitting a ball from the fairway. I always was in the rough somewhere. I was always searching in the trees for my ball. That's basically it. So I was not in the fairway deal. Well, there was like all these balls. There's like six balls in the fairway. So, buddy of mine walks up, sees it, looks, oh, that's my ball, hits it. Psh. This girl pulls up, she's looking for a ball, and then The inner her, I want you to see, she is a 10 plus. She is a 10 plus, I am not kidding you. This, you just were like, even the ladies in the clubhouse that worked there were like, and then she spoke. And what came out of her mouth? Made her go from a 10 plus to a 2. Her beauty just dissipated. We all just were like, it was like the foul language that came out of her mouth, Wanting a fist fight. The dude, I'm like, what? You can't. I'm telling him, you can't win. She's too pretty. You can't win, man. You can't win. Even if you do win, you're going to lose, brother. She is screaming. Our lives are like that. We are made in the beauty and the image of God, the masculinity and the feminine. And then we open our mouths. We patronize each other we're hypocrites, we lie, we gossip, we slander, we pursue things we shouldn't pursue, we let evil take place. Last night on the highway, you know, coming back, kind of caravanning a truck before us. We didn't see the truck. Obviously, it was going too fast, carrying river sand and rock. Hits the bump at Uh, Medina Village or whatever it is and dumps a quarter of their load. Big rocks with the sand. You know what I'm talking about, the river sand. Just leaves it there. We come around the corner. Lisa hits it. Blows out one of her, her front tire. Lucky she didn't roll the car. It's all sandy. There's kids everywhere. And you know, I'm livid. Like, I'm just livid that someone, a human being, would dump their load and not clean it up. So we scrounged up some cash and paid the village to take shovels and scrape it off the highway so that a vehicle, you know that bridge is a dangerous bridge because it kind of jumps and then you're on that turn and if you're coming towards PG, that football field is right on the right hand side, that's where all the villagers bathe. Some dude just left it there. Went from beauty to horrific ugliness. Because it brings up another thing selfishness. You and I are inherently selfish. I am, I admit it. Listen, I, when I get hungry, I am selfish. I don't give a crap about any of you. I need food. You know what I'm saying? You get yours, I'll get mine. I don't need to eat all the food, but I need some food. People are like, oh. I like John. I like Pastor John. He's cool to hang until So I'm hungry. Then I'll be, and snappy. Some of you the same way. Right? Man, how you doing? Why are you asking me that? I asked you that this morning when I got in the car and everything was good. Yeah, because I just ate breakfast. The hangries, they call it. It's real. I'm not saying it's not, I mean, there's stuff that chemically goes on with people, but There is something called self-control, too. Because I know when I'm getting angry, when I'm hungry. I shouldn't say angry. I just get short. So I've learned over the years to just keep my mouth shut. Don't respond. We each have this in us. So why is Jesus such a difficult thing? Like I said, it's because we can't be anything like him without him, though we want to and have a desire to, But in our own works, we can do nothing to be like him. It's not in our sin nature to do good. That's why Jesus says, God says, in the Old and New Testament, learn to do good. It's a learning process. He doesn't tell you to be good. Why? You cannot be good. If you try to be good, let me tell you this, here and at home, if you try to be good, you're a hypocrite. Because it's not in your nature. It's not in my nature to be good. So I'm being something I'm not. How many pastors? How many school teachers? How many Sunday school teachers have you said? Have you heard say, just you know, just be good. Sit down and be good. Grandparents. Here's what they're saying. Hey, why don't you just sit down, be something you're not for a little while, and then you can go back to being an evil little turd. Look like the image of God just for a minute. You can't be it for very long. Then you can go back and be what you want to be. So It's crazy, right? It's true. So God says learn to do good. Well, how do I learn to do good? To learn to do good is to be in the process of learning from one who is and does good already. I do what the Father Does. I say what the Father says. We're not abandoned in this. Jesus is hard for you and I to wrap. You just can't. I want Him. I want to hold Him. I want Him to hold me. But it has to be in a relationship of my complete, the completeness of who I am, saying, I can be nothing like you and I want to be everything like you. As a matter of fact, I don't want to be you. I want to be held by you and be called your son or daughter. And I want to follow you in all that you do. I don't want to be creative without your creativity. I don't want to be good without your good leading me. Because if not, it's fake. I don't want... You see what I'm saying? Because here's the deal. We need Jesus to be transformed by the... Transform our mind by the Spirit of God. We need to be transformed. But here's why 100... And 76 gods and goddesses are so familiar to you and I and easy is because you and I can make ourselves one of the 176. And that's appealing to human nature. Dudes, I'll pick on you first. Dudes. Dudes that are domineering to their wives. of the spirit of Zeus over them. I am the God of gods in this home. And so when I say you make me something, or I tell you to buy me something, or I tell you to be clean, you shall do it, or thunder and lightning will be exposed in this home. If you do what I tell you to do, I have a good Zeus voice, huh? And if I tell you to do and you do it, then the God of me will heap pleasures upon you. What does Jesus say about that? I died on the cross for your sins. Even when you're stupid and sin on purpose, I know your heart. And I still died for you and you're forgiven. It goes on. It's so easy for us to do that. Ladies, should I pick on you? You want to get picked on? Here we go. Let's, let's do this one. Because y'all like that one, like, yeah, freaking dudes. Hi, baby. I'm the God of Eros. I'm the God of love and desire. And I will dress how I want to dress to get what I want from you. And I'll do what I want to do to get what I want from you. But when you piss me off, I won't bathe. I won't fix my hair. I won't do nothing. I won't put on good clothes for you. And I'll go out in public dressed to the nines. But when I'm at home, I won't do nothing until you give me what I want. Am I lying? Because you can make yourself into a god to get what you want. I can relate with this one. You ready? This is one I can relate with. Eris. The god of war and violence. I do not have to practice this. I don't have to be, it is just in my nature. From wounds that were put upon me as a child and agreements that I've broken off, but what has molded, you want to play the game? I'll play the game. And I will dominate you. You want a war? That's my kind of party. You want violence? I'll give you violence all day long. And guess what? These are the worst type of people because we like it. So your violence doesn't scare me. You threatening me. You th- Now we're talking, baby. Then I go away from it like, God, you would never have done it like that. I was just watching a guy I watch. He's a, a leadership dude, and he was talking about road rage. And he was talking about the four symptoms of road rage. And at the end of his whole thing, he's talking about what to do if someone does something, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like war and violence. And then he throws in that Jesus thing at the end. And this dude's a warrior. And he goes, but at the end of the day, check your ego and let it be. Because a true warrior will check his ego at the door. Don't worry about that guy over there that's worrying about his identity. Let him drive how he wants to drive. There's 176 of these. Now I can just go, ready? Here we go. The God of Pan. You know what he does? This is for all you friggin' tree huggers. He's the God of shepherds and wilderness and rustic music. I'm not making this up. I went to church. Where'd you go to church? I went out into the beautiful jungle. I listened to the music of nature. Oh, brother, and I just stroked the tree. I ain't making this stuff up. Dude, that lady that married a tree. Yeah. Yeah. She found her spouse. It's a tree. I want to go, my God, that tree. That poor tree. That poor tree's going to wither and die. How about this one? Momus. Oh, this is in our culture today. I see it all the time. In the two houses, in government. The god of satire, mockery, and criticism. Right? Morpheus. Anyone know who Morpheus is? We hear the name. I had a dream. All of us have dreams. But are my visions and dreams from God or from my desires? Because Morpheus is the God of dreams. Who are you praying to for your dreams? Right? Um, Ah, Plutus. The God of wealth and abundance. Do you imagine living in the Greek culture? You'd have these statues in your home. You'd have the god of Plutus in your home. You'd walk by and you see it. Whoever saw the movie Gladiator? See Gladiator? Remember he had his little thing? His little family in there. He's a god. He's worshiping his family. He's got his thing. That was reality. And it was a reality because man can relate with those gods. But man cannot relate with Jesus. We're terrified of God, Yahweh. Though he's a provider of everything, we can't relate to him. Why? Because he's perfect and good. And when I think of the God of war, I realize the God of war is just a God of war. He's not perfect and good. He's just a God of war. Eros is just a God of love. Well, I can do love. I can have desire and do love. I, heck yeah, I can do that. I can get wealth. I'll just work harder. Put other people to work. Me, it goes on. Uh, a selfius, the God of healing and, and medicine. Well, I can just self-medicate. I can just do this. I can do that. I can relate with that God. God, give me the idea Hung in a bush. Put it in a bush. Right? Oh, here's one. I have a green thumb. I am the blessed one with the green thumb. Why do you have a green thumb? Because it just comes natural to me. Yeah, it's the God of... Cronus. Uh, is the God of the harvest. It's the green thumb. just comes natural to me. Oh, let me go here for a second. Does it come natural to you? Or is the blessing of the Almighty Father falling upon you with the gift of abundance to bless others with the ability To raise, because the very moment that you think you're it, it will eat those crops. You don't have a a green thumb. God has gifted you with a green thumb, and he's giving you supernatural understanding of the soil and plants to be able to grow them for the blessing of your family. He gets great desire in seeing you blessed, and he gets greater desire in seeing you bless others. I'll look at my brother over here, but I won't tell you his name. Because I appreciate these guys. But the God of Koyos. These are all gods the Greeks worshipped. He's the God of the inquisitive mind. How does that work? Tell me how is that? Hmm. I thank you, O God of Crous, for giving me the inquisitive mind. No, what you don't understand is the God that you don't understand is the God who makes up that mind that makes you inquisitive, because the Bible says for you to seek after the things that you don't understand from the one who understands them. You're inquisitive to see how things work because God wants you to He wants to hide something and He wants you to find it. Oh, man, I've dealt with people like this all the time. I deal with Christians like this. I don't don't deal with many followers of Jesus like this, but I deal with Christians like this. You ready? Dinlas. The God of Dinlas. He's the God of chaos and hatred. You ever been around Christians, so-called religious people? You're in the room, it's just freaking chaos just utter chaos. All they have to do is open their mouth. You're like, what's going on? There's division over here, division over here. There's hatred for that. There's hatred for this. You're just like, what is happening here? Well, it's just the God of division. No, let's call it what it is. The people came up with these. Listen, let's give them credit. I'm not bashing on the Greeks because it happens here in Belize too. How many gods do we have here in the Maya culture? Let's just not bash America. Well, America, you know, have the wealth, and they got the. Ah, let's call it. Let's bring it home. We got to bring it to our house first, right? Here's one. This goes along with the green thumb. You got another god here, Peripus, the god of animal and vegetable fertility. Kratos. I like Kratos. The video game God of War. Kratos. It's the personification of strength. These are ones I don't want to talk about. You don't think you're dealing with it. I'm stronger than them. I'm stronger than this. I'll be like Kratos. I can handle it. You can handle it because of Jesus. He won't put you into something you can't handle. But how many people are stronger than a situation? They take credit for it. Man, it goes on and on. Here's another one for the green thumbers. Agatha, Agatha Demil, the spirit of fields and vineyards. I mean... They had everything. Paulus. You go to a bush doctor here, you're going to the god of Paulus. It's the god of battle and warcraft. It's in the supernatural. Going to war against the supernatural god of the heavens and earth that the Greeks called the unknown. A futile battle a battle that cannot be won by 176 gods. You see, in Acts chapter 17 starting at 16, the longer Paul waited in Athens for Silas and Timothy, the angrier he got. All these idols, the city was a junkyard of idols. So when we read that, it's because we don't we always think of 12. Did they just have 12 idols all over No, it's what Paul is saying here. It's a junkyard. There's 176 idols everywhere. You go see a doctor and the doctor, you tell him the problem you're having and he gives you one of those idols of just, I just mentioned a few of the 176. Pray to this God, give sacrifice to this God. Well, you've got all these problems lined up and it goes like this. I see the problem in the church today and I recognized it years ago. Guy comes to church. He starts to come in. He's a new believer. He's wearing his Bud Light t-shirts and stuff like that, and he comes up to the pastor, the young pastor. I say this from experience. He comes up to the young pastor, youth pastor, insisting pastor, and he says, hey, pastor, yeah, you go, I'm struggling. What are you struggling with, brother? Man, my secretary's hot. She's hot? Get her a fan, right? No, she's the wrong type of hot. She's hot. Like, I'm attracted to her. He goes, man, I I don't know, I just, I feel like, you know, I gave myself to the Lord. And I look at him and I go, oh, you know what you need to do, brother? You need to quit wearing shirts of the world like the Budweiser shirt. You got to start dressing like we dress in church. Get those thoughts of your mind out of there. And by the way, quit listening to that music. And start listening to Christian music and Christian music only. Everything's good, man. We'll just call him Bob. Bob shows up couple months later, Bob's done everything, comes to me and goes, Hey, Pastor, man, I tried all that, but, man, I, I'm struggling with it. Bob, you know what you need to do? Bob, you need to start coming to the men's fellowship. That's what you need to do, Bob. You need to start coming to the men's Bible study and the Saturday morning men's breakfast. That's what you need to do, Bob. And by the way, if you volunteer at church, Bob, that'll help you. <clears throat> so we need help in the cleaning ministry and the maintenance ministry on, on Saturdays. Oh, man, thank you, Pastor. That's awesome. This goes on and on. Six months later, Bob left his wife for his secretary. And you know the response of the pastoral staff? Oh, Bob's backslidden. Nope. Nope. Even then I realized it. I sat there and went, Bob's not backslidden. <clears throat> I've been kicked out of some places because I just call it. I go, Bob's not backslidden. We didn't do Bob right. What we did is we gave, the, we gave Bob the God of dress code, the God of music, the God of tithing, the God of coming to meetings you don't want to come to, to eat food you don't want to eat. The God of church, the God of clean toilets. We gave Bob everything except Jesus. I own it. I own Bob. I learned that way over 25 years ago. I sat there and went, man, what was it? I sat in my office one day trying to just trying to, I couldn't figure it out. I was just dissecting it. For those of you that know me, I try to, I just, this is not a good place to be. Okay? And so I'm just running through it and dissecting it. I'm breaking it down. I did this, 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 I did this. I did everything I was taught to do. And I just went, oh dear God, forgive me. So it hit me like, it was like a light went on. I went, I never sat down and said, hey, Bob, let's ask Jesus into this. We need some Jesus here, Bob. Because yeah, she's probably good looking. She's probably sexy, Bob. But she ain't your wife. We need Jesus here to fix it, Bob. you see what I'm saying? I invited Bob into a relationship with something that he could relate to, that I could relate to, that I could control because he could control it. The one thing he couldn't control was the natural desire of self-satisfaction. Self-satisf- satis- you know, he, he couldn't, he just wanted to satisf- satisfy himself. And without Jesus, there is no self-control. None. None. The Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Ghost comes in, and allows you, He speaks to you through it. He doesn't make decisions for you, but He speaks you through it. How many times have you went out and you have this relationship with Jesus, you're thinking about doing something you shouldn't do, premarital sex, or looking at something, or purchasing something, or getting something, and all of a sudden there's a pop in your mind that goes, should you do this? Oh, no, I shouldn't do this. It's your choice to do it or not. He's not going to stop you from doing it. We need to break off. God stopped me from doing that. No, He didn't. Quit giving people false hope. God gave you a way out of it, and you, in obedience chose to follow God. And so now because of your obedience to God's wisdom, you praise you from a situation because he gave you the positive and the negative side of it. And you chose the positive side, which is him. And it's more glorified. And you and I can relate to that much easier because that's what we can do. We can't relate with the one that how many has said here in the room if I was only dead in heaven, I wouldn't make these decisions. It's because Has anyone ever said that? What if God just took away my choice? If God just made me do it this way? Has anyone ever been? Is it only me? Am I the only one that's been frustrated like that? It's because I cannot relate with the one who only thinks and does good. It's impossible. But when I... Listen to the one in relationship, in learning, learning to do good. And I hear I got this God of Eros speaking to me. And I've got the Holy Ghost, the spirit, the demonic spirit, whatever name, whatever culture in speaking to me. And I have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost says, Your wife's at home, she's beautiful. And she's bore you three beautiful children, and from here you have eight beautiful grandchildren, and from then you'll have, you have no idea how many more beautiful great-grandchildren you have. She is your desire, she is your love. I have a choice at that moment to follow the Holy Ghost or the God of Eros that says, ha ha ha, I'm young and beautiful. And I can fulfill everything that your desires are every desire a man has ladies you some of you're uncomfortable some of the dudes are uncomfortable because you've had this conversation the power is when you say I choose the Holy Ghost I choose his answer I'm a do it I'm a stay in the course with him now when people go how, how many how many years have you been married pastor 35-. 35. I talk to BDF soldiers all the time. How many times do you Joe Grime, Pastor? How much sweetheart you, may have, Pastor? Let me tell you a quick story. Yesterday, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but yesterday I was in the barbershop. Two young ladies in the barbershop waiting for one of their nephews. And I'm sitting down, and one lady, two of these ladies look at me, and one lady looks at me, and she goes, I have my sunglasses on, right? She says to me, she says, if you come over here, I'll cut your hair. And I said, now I recognize her, she don't recognize me, and I said, oh, you will? She goes, yeah, you just sit right here, and I'll cut your hair, and I'll take care of all your needs, and I said, well, I'm kind of a married dude. She goes, but we're in the barbershop, and I'll take you to my barbershop, and I said, oh, really, and this other girl sitting next to her, they're flirting and doing their thing, and she says, man, you got tattoos on you. And I go, yeah, I got tattoos on me. And I flip up my tattoos. I go, I got tattoos. The girl on the side goes, you can see her. She recognized. she goes, you're Pastor John. And I said, that's right. And my wife is Lisa. And she's, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm sorry, bud. And I said, yeah, huh. You're sorry, bud, true? I said, Next time you come for church, you need to come to Church. One gal didn't get it. She's like, I'm going to come down to your church. I'm thinking, you're missing the point, man. It's that easy, guys. It's that easy. We laugh about it because we know that takes place here. It takes place all the time, doesn't it? The power of it is this. The power and the victory in it is because you can say, by the leading of the Holy Ghost, I used my free will to follow the one who died on the cross for me. And He directed me so that I would not follow what's natural to me, what comes easy to me, but I would would make the hard right over the easy left. And God's like, boom, bingo. The hard right over the easy left all day long. This is what we're dealing with. Paul says this, He discussed it with the Jews and other like-minded people in their meeting place, and every day he went on out on the streets and talked with anyone who happened along. My God, guys, listen, you hear me tell you this. I don't tell you, and I don't mean to say it like that. Everything that you do is a platform to talk about Jesus, everything. If I'm shooting guns with dudes, I'm talking about Jesus. If I'm getting tattoos, I'm talking about Jesus because my tattoos are about Jesus. If I'm eating food, I'm talking about Jesus. If I'm having a beer with somebody, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm smoking a cigar with a bunch of soldiers. I'm talking about Jesus. If Woody and I are sitting on the back porch or in the backyard barbecue smoking cigars, we're talking about Jesus. Everything is a platform to talk about Jesus. Quit being so stinking religious. The harvest. Man, you're so good. Your fly, I came in the other night. I looked at our front up there. When you come in, I went... My gosh, look how beautiful it is. It's not bragging for you to go, man, the Lord had me design that. He gave me the creativity for it. And every time people drive into Machaca, that's what they see. They see the beauty that God gave in my hands to bless other people with. That's not being prideful, it's bringing glory to God. Well, I can't ever do anything like that. Have you ever tried? I'll pray with you, and I'll show you how. Everything is a platform. Paul is pissed. So he's walking around. He's talking about everything. He's not talking about the wrongs. If I'm talking politics, I will start out. I will, listen, I'm a, I'm, man, I will sucker you into a conversation about Jesus. I will sucker you in, man. I'll start rolling with you on the bad politics. Politics, man, these politicians, blah, blah, blah. Next thing I'll know, you'll hear me going, yeah, but you know how we fix it? Fix it with Jesus. We fix it by raising up the younger generation to become lovers of Jesus Christ. That they make decisions based upon the people and God first. Politicians don't know it. Talking to politicians about same thing. I was talking to them. Yeah, yeah, man. People, blah, blah, blah. People are hard. They're like sheep. Man, they're going every which way. But guess what, man? I don't know how you govern all these people without God on your shoulders. Because now you're making decisions. Here's the deal. Sheep are all going in one direction, but it's your fault. Boy, Pastor, I don't want to talk to you. Good, talk to Jesus. I'm out. It's not hard. I can look at I love this small group because I can look at what everyone's doing. Fixing tires, talk about Jesus. Teaching school, talk about Jesus. Helping people that have been trafficked, talk about Jesus. Welding some, talk about Jesus. Planting some, talk about Jesus. Driving bus, talk about Jesus. You could talk about Jesus without being a weirdo freakoid judgmental people. Here's another thing. Don't be standing on the street corner telling everyone they're going to hell. That's not what Paul was doing. Paul was talking about the difference between 176 gods and one. I picked up a witch doctor one day. We were driving down the road. The witch doctor, we were talking about some stuff here in in Belize. He gets in the car, I'm talking to him, he's got all these herbs and stuff, he's he's cool man. And somehow we got on the topic about Jesus, right? And then he starts going, well, you know what? Problem that you're having is that you need to, some of this herb right here. If you get this herb and you do and you make a tea and you do this and then you do something. He's telling me all this. He goes, you'll be the God of the sun or something will be pleased with you. And I'm like, oh, he will be. He's like, yeah, Then you don't have to worry about getting hurt or anything like that. And I said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm pleased with God of gods. He looked at me and was like, what? I go to God of gods, Yahweh. I'm on good status with him because of his son. I don't need any of your stuff. You can keep it if you want. It's a waste of my time. Oh, man, you're going to get cursed. Can't be. Can't be cursed. If you or if you call out a curse on me, you'll piss off my God. And my God will beat up your God really bad. And your God will be so pissed at you that he'll bring the curses back on you, sucker. No, I'm not kidding you. that's what I said. You piss off my God by bringing a curse on my God by one of your little false gods, you're in trouble." He didn't know what to do. He let me out. OK? Cursing's already. The cursings have begun. You're walking, buddy, and it's hot. See you. you? It's not hard. This is what Paul's doing. Paul's walking around talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <clears throat> he says this: You talk to anyone who happened along. He got to know some of the Epicurean and Stoic uh, intellectuals pretty well, though, through these conversations. Now, here it is. The Epicureans, they, they taught, this is what we need to understand. This is what they taught. They taught that the highest state a person could attain was atorexia, which is absolute peace, complete absence of mental, emotional, and physical distress. Sounds a lot like Yoga. Um, I'm stressed, trying to be de-stressed. That's what they taught, it was the main teaching. It's all emotion, it's all being, just empty yourself of everything. This is the best part. A stoic, they emphasize that your rationalism and your logic is what allows you to come into a state of peace. So the two of these, these are the two types of teachings. They're still taught today, but these are the two types of teaching that were being taught at Mars Hill in Greece, and they incorporated all those gods. So the Stoic would talk about the gods he didn't like. No, that god can't be. Right? He can't be the personification of the sun. Think about it, my friend. Have reason in the way you think. There's no way he could be that. That would be Zeus. Because you can't have two gods of the same. The other one, this other Epicurean, he's like, no, you can have both. Because if you have the power of both, then you have the power of understanding of all. This is what Paul's walking around going, oh my gosh, this is what Paul says. He says he got to know some of these Stoics and pretty well through these conversations. Some of them dismissed him with sarcasm. They would say, what a moron. But others listened to him and went, as he went on about Jesus and the resurrection, they were intrigued. When you talk about Jesus, people are intrigued. Some will call you a moron. Some will throw rocks at you. Some will do whatever they do, right? But they will be intrigued. There's something about the name of Jesus. We sing it. Acts says there's no other name under heaven in which you can be saved, Jesus. There is something. I hear people go all the time, yeah, but you know how many Jesus's there are in Mexico? A lot, but there's only one, Jesus Cristo. Matter of fact, I applaud their parents. They had enough smarts to name you after the one that could save their soul. Now look at him for your salvation. Watch this. They said this is a new slant on the gods. Tell us more. Paul's out there talking. Paul's an intellectual man. Paul can talk. Paul understands it. He's smart. He surpassed his own rabbi. When he said it in the town, when you understand the culture, the Hebrew culture, when he said in the room, I've surpassed my teacher, Gamma who is still one of the top rabbis in all Judaism. Gamma was in the room, he would have ripped his clothes. Hypocrite! He didn't say nothing, he just stood in the back of the room. Paul said, I surpassed him, he's like... "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Paul's smart, he's talking to these dudes. These people get together and they ask him to make a public presentation over at the Areopagus, where, they were, uh, where it was a little quieter. It's this big hill. It's like a temple mount. It's where all these unknown gods, all the gods are there, the plaques form, right? And so they said, this is a new one on us. We've never heard anything quite like it. Where did you come up with this anyway? Explain it so we can understand. Downtown Athens was a great place for gossip. There were always people hanging around, natives and tourists alike, waiting for the latest tidbit on most anything. So Paul took his stand in the open space and he laid it out for them. It is plain to see that you Athenians take your religion seriously. Notice how he does it. He doesn't rip into them. You Athenians are freaking moron dummies. You don't have a Bible college degree and I do. You don't understand the Ten Commandments. You don't understand this. You don't know that. Man, it's the worst way. Unless God has called you in it for a specific thing, but it wouldn't be like this. What does he do? He goes, man, you Athenians, you dig on religion. I can see it. I talk to you. Right? And he says, you take it seriously. Your faith in these gods, you take seriously. When I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines I came across. And then I found one inscribed. Guys, this is the story within the story. We get stuck in this shrine thing when we go all the shrines. We get stuck in the 12. You've got to put yourself in Paul's shoes. He's almost confused. Everywhere he goes, there's a shrine of a different God. 176. He's just like, what does this one do? When you go out in our world today, what are you hit with on TV? What are you hit with what you listen to? What you see in the stores, the crime that's taking place, the war, all this stuff. This is all demonic, trying to take your eyes off of the one who has the answers to everything. It's all these, and which ones are you doing? Are you into the 2024 year disaster? Because is 2024? I just read, is was is, is his name? Not, Nostradamus was his name? He, he made a prediction about two, ah, the earthquake has come to pass. Did, is this the earthquake that Nostradamus talked about? Who cares? God could give that to him to happen in 2024 for us, stupidity of mankind, to at least go, ah, is there a God? You see what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, it's crazy. We're infiltrated. Are you driven by fear? The sugar industry in Belize, I get it. Ah, You would think it's the end of the world. I've been here for 20 years. Do you know how many fights that I've heard in the 20 years with the sugar industry? And everyone is the same way. Burning of tires, protests in the streets, not getting enough. Did it with the oranges for a while. I've heard it all. And every time, it's the end of the world. It's like that song, man. I was listening to it the other day, driving from Mexico. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, And, and you guys got to just Google it listen to that song. And this dude's this done in the 80s. And it's all about stuff today. I'm like, oh, yeah. Is that what is driving you crazy? If that's the case, that's your God. Preppers. Yeah, it's smart. Prep. Can some food, put some food in. It's smart. It's smart. Right? Joseph did it. Okay? Store up the stuff for the bad times. Right? But don't idolize it and worship it. Good God, what's wrong with you? If it happens, it happens. We'll go hunt together. Right? I'm trying to lose as much weight as I can. So if I go hunting with you, you don't shoot me for the meat. I want to be MAGA. guy. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to be... Hey, let's get the fat pastor. <laughs> Joke. Here's what Paul says. To the, he says, Then I came across to the God nobody knows. I'm here to introduce you to the God so that you can worship intelligently and know who you are dealing with. When you're caught up in the fear or you're caught up in worshiping, and you don't quite understand, it's because the demonic will never let you understand, because it wants to keep you confused. God wants you to understand that He's perfect, right, and good, and the moment that you understand that it is perfect, right, and good, I cannot be without you, and now I can be perfect, right, and good with you because of you, and I'm going through some stuff and we're trying to figure out things. I'm driving. I'm like, geez, the wheeze. And then I just get the calming of the Lord that speaks to me. It says, it's all going to play out. This has played out for all of history. You're not the first one that this has happened to. But my plans will play out. Just be faithful to me and this peace. Okay, I'm just gonna keep moving forward, gonna keep driving on. Just gonna keep moving forward. Because why it's what Paul said is that we can worship intelligently to the one that we're dealing with. I lift my hands to praise to do the one I know I can never become. But I can be his child. And through me, by his spirit, I can perform the miracles or be a part of the instrument that performs the miracles that he does through me, but I can never be him. It makes no sense whatsoever with human nature. Human nature says, I will be the guy. You ever been in an argument? Have you ever met the people? Everyone has them in the circle. Have you ever had the savior in your circle? Something goes wrong, the savior shows up. You ever had that person in your circle? They have the answer for everything. You always have a victim. You always got a victim. You always got a savior. You ever been up? You ever seen that? No, Jesus, there's so much going on in the world today. I just need to know, where are you? I'm right here. So can I worship you? All the time. Will you hold it against me? Nope. I don't understand this. Yep. Can I understand it? Not yet. Why? You're not mature enough. Why am I not mature enough? I don't know. That's on you. But let's rest in this peace. And let me mature you in our walk together. You need this to get through the next thing. That's all I need to hear from God. You need this to get through the next thing. And I plead, and I shared it last week, I plead with God all the time. God, don't show me the future. And he'll tell me, you need this for the next time. I try not to think of the next time. Because what is the next time? He goes on, Paul says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, the master of the sky, land, doesn't live in a custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him, as if he couldn't take care of it himself. He makes the creatures, the creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if you are the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to make, to think we could hire a sculpture to chisel a God out of stone for us, does it? Paul is just giving these plain answers of saying, the creator. Didn't listen. The creation didn't make the creator. We we created all these gods. We've created all these problems that we have in the world. God didn't create them. We created them because we've allowed Satan to give have dominion in our lives. Because we bought into the lie that I serve Jesus, but I got this little nagging fear over here. I got this. If I just do this, have you ever done this? If I just get up and I do good today. The moment you do something bad, you wash the day out that God's going to get you back because you're going to have a bad day because you had a bad thought. Anyone ever done that? No, just me, huh? Liars. There's your thing right there. You got that little liar in the corner. Get rid of him. Everyone knows you're lying already. You 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 get you tracking what I'm saying, and so we've got these little idols in our lives where we don't really think about. Jesus, I serve you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Oh, man, I have a bad thought, man. God, don't take it out. I don't want to have a bad day. If I don't do this, then I won't get this job. If I don't do this, this won't grow. If I don't do this, this won't. No, no, you're missing the whole point. This is what Paul is saying. The creation can't make the creator do one thing or the other. God says to you and I, do I come to you for answers? Why would I come to you? You can't even figure out what clothes to wear today. You're not even quite sure what you want to eat. What should we eat today? Uh, Pizza? No, it doesn't sound good. I'm freaking hungry. I'm going to eat anything. I'm going to pile it in. So why would God come to you and consult you? He's not. What He says to you is He says, learn to do what I do. Do what I say. Do what I do. If you see evil, what would God do? What does God do when He sees evil? Me to watch the fish, boy. I asked the girl on that dump. I go, hey, do you see the truck that did it? Do you know who did it? She goes, yeah. I go, tell me who it is. She goes. Boy, it was all I could do not to go off, man. (laughs) Oh, wow, boy. But the last thing I want is an entire village coming down on me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's what we become. Oh, I want to be like you, Jesus, but we won't do what he says to do. We'll follow the little gods. What is the God of, you know, watching the face. It's the God of the fear of man. It's that demonic force of the fear of man. I will not say nothing. Like I want to call it. But what would God do? What would he do? When God sees evil, does he just let it slide, or does he confront it? What do you do when you see evil? Do you confront it? Do you turn the channel? Do you turn the playlist? When you see somebody cheating somebody, you tell them? I tell people they're cheating people all the time with a smile. I tell West Track all the time with a smile, you cheat me. How much? Well, boy, duty. Duty costs a lot, you know. Ah. Dude, that same part in Mexico costs this amount of money. You're quadrupling it. That's not good for the people. I say it to business owners in town. Buy a bottle of water. I can get this bottle of water, right? Get this bottle of water for a buck fifty. But because it's in PG, you're gonna buy a bottle of water like this for four? Law of transportation. Oh, you personally went up and bought this one bottle and brought it down to sell. It's a lie. You call it out. Take care of the people you served by. You know, if you need to charge up the rest of it. I don't wait for the government to do it. Why would you? Why do you wait for the government to do it? This is what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, come on. He says, God is this God. He says, God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. See, God overlooks all these people that have all these gods because they don't know any better. Now Paul's calling them out for it. He's calling out the Stoics. He's calling them out. In all their worldly wisdom, he's saying, Oh, God's overlooking it until this very moment. This is that come to Jesus. This is the beautiful dilemma. This is your dilemma. It's my dilemma. Have you ever been in a situation you don't quite understand, but you know God's in it? It's the beautiful dilemma. What do you do? Do you do this or you do this? Both ways are the right way. Both ways are painful. It's a beautiful dilemma. Paul says this, he says, he overlooks as long as they don't know any better, but the time that time has passed. The unknown is now known, and he's calling for a radical life change. He has, set, he has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right, and he has already appointed the judge, confirming him before everyone by raising him from the dead. There's no doubt that Paul loves Jesus. And there's no doubt that the Greeks didn't hear that the judge of all mankind is also the one who is the Savior of all mankind. The Savior of, the, of all mankind is the only one justified to judge mankind. We can't relate with that. Because the very one who said, I shed my blood. I was separated from my Father. I went into hell. I proclaimed all time past who I am. He didn't preach like the word preaching for salvation. That word preach in that passage is he proclaimed, proclaiming that I am he, the one who God talked about when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac and he replaced him. That is me. And you fools chose opposite. This is what he's saying. So Paul's coming, he's saying, hey, right here, he's going, he raised him from the dead. All of my Greek brothers and sisters, all of us in Belize, he is saying here to you and I, the one who he raised from the dead is the one who will rescue you from eternal from eternal death to give you eternal salvation. And he is the only one justified because he gave all for you out of great love. And only perfect love can judge rightly. This is it making sense a little bit? This old Jesus the unknown and why it's hard for us to understand. I cannot understand or fathom Jesus because I cannot love the way he loves as much as I try. I just, it's infuriating. Call me what you will. I'm a bad pastor. Call me what you will. I cannot, it's, I struggle. Sometimes Lisa does stuff and I struggle. I go, what in the heck? And I lay there and I look at this beautiful creature he's giving me. I go, God, I can't even love her the way you tell me to love her. How how in the world am I supposed to love you? I can't even comprehend your love for me. If I was me, God, I'd be dead already. If if I was God dealing with me, I'd be dead already. I'd just go, ah, pew. What a waste. How many promises are you going to make me? These are those little things. So you ask yourself these questions. How many promises, if God is asking you, have you ever asked that? How many promises have you made to God? Anyone here? Anyone ever made a promise to God? (laughs) How many have you kept? Most everyone in this room is batting zero. Everyone in this room's is batting here. <clears throat> Every promise we make, we can't keep. I promise to serve you my whole life, Lord. I promise to serve you. We count it out like, well, I made it another year believing in Jesus, but did you serve him the whole year? Sucker, no. You had an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus, and you didn't. You had an opportunity to buy someone a burrito, but you didn't like the person. You saw a person that is in need that you knew is in need, but you don't like their lifestyle, so you wouldn't give them nothing because you know their lifestyle. It's not a Christian lifestyle, so I won't bless you. How many times have you seen evil in the presence of God and did nothing to stop it? You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be mean. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's right here with all these guys going, dude, there is more gods that that we think we're not worshiping that we're worshiping, but I've introduced you to the one out of perfect love who's going to judge everyone. And listen, if you believe in Him, the judgment on your sin has already been made and eternal salvation is yours. Learn to walk with Him. Talk with Him. As we've gone through Judges, we're going to hit it, man. Samson's nuts. We need to be mature. We understand. Now we we look back at what we've been talking about in Judges, start to realize because we're so quick to judge the groups of people that fall away from God. We're so quick to judge mistakes of other people. We're so quick to say why they fail or why they have success or why they have this. And we don't even realize in our stupidity that we're living them. Right? Think about it. Well, we're so easy to look at oh, yeah, this, and then we go. But God knows I shouldn't think that way. God knows I shouldn't think that way, and we justify it by the shedding of His blood. That, in so much, <laughs> He should stomp my face out, but He doesn't. He loves me in it. He says, "Just keep walking with me." We're gonna. I revealed that to you. So let's not do that anymore. There's a fascinating thing. I know I'm going long. I can get this done, but there's a fascinating thing. What was Jesus or what was David's nickname? Anyone know? What did God refer to David as? A man after his own heart, correct? David was known after a man after God's own heart. David was an adulterer, a murderer, a liar. He was a man, he was like love sex. He liked war. Dude could take lives, boy. Yet he was, a, he was a man. God said it, not man. God said, ha, ha, David is after my heart. Funny study. Read the life of David in depth and you'll find, and this is how it should be for us, you'll find that David did not repeat a sin. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. Because the moment he wrecked, remember, he's living life really good. And then the prophet Nathaniel, right, goes up to him and tells the story about the sheep. And so David says, Kill that dude! Get that dude here, I'll kill him right now. He goes, You're the dude. What? You did it with Bathsheba. Ah! What'd he do? Oh! He didn't care what the people thought, man. And then when his firstborn died, what did he do? We can learn a lot from King David. What did he do? Publicly went into the streets in front of all of the kingdom and shred his clothes and threw dust on himself. A king would not do that. He went publicly and said, my shame is on me, not God. Then he takes, watch this, the one that he violated she gives birth. Right? Everyone, imagine the people are just talking trash. We talk trash already. I talk trash about old Johnny. Every time a politician goes man, we talk trash, baby. Let's be real here. How much do you think they were saying about Bathsheba? They talk trash. Take Solomon. Read the story, David. And he prays for wisdom for Solomon over and over and over. And when Solomon is questioned by God, what do you want? you want fame? Do you want money? Do you want wisdom? What do you want? You can hear David. You can hear the voice of a father speak through a son that he loves when he says, I choose wisdom. Why? Because Papa, my daddy on earth, told me that wisdom is the most brilliant thing I can have to serve the one who sits on the throne. And my dad served God. This is what we behold. This is why we recognize these things and we start being delivered from it. What is it that's keeping you down? What do we need to pray for you for, for deliverance from? You're already saved. We're not saying you're not saved. But what is it that needs to be removed? What agreement needs to be broken off? What is holding you down? What fear do you have? You should be fearless. Tell me something I don't already know. You made a bad choice. Tell me something I don't already know. I already gave that to Jesus. The hidden little fears. You can be strong. Well, I was taught that. I didn't even know I had that in me. Praise God for deliverance, band of brothers to be able to realize. I just grew up, man. moment you're in a situation where you've been beaten and stuff, you grow up all the time. you hear it from people, "Hey, little Johnny, you're going to have to learn to be strong, boy. You're going to have to learn to be strong, boy. You're going to have to rely on you, because re- no, Hey, the world ain't going to help you, son. You're going to have to rely on you. You want something in life you're going to rely on you. you can trust nobody, Johnny, Nobody. So how does Johnny raise, how does he grow up? Grows up with a little idol. You can't hurt me, I'll fight you right now. I can, we, I used to, willpower, Lisa will tell you this, I have a high pain tolerance, but part of it sounded like this stupidness of willpower. Like I could tolerate it, I could tolerate the pain. When I was playing football or doing some other stuff, and playing with broken fingers, broken bones, like willpower, mind over matter, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. What kind of foolishness is that? Now there's a sense for it, and there's purpose for it to drive and move forward, but there's also a point where there's a little God in there. Lord, I need to give that to you and be delivered of it. Yeah, there is a time I need to drive on and drive through the pain to help other people, but there are also times I need to stop and say, hey, God, I'm just here. And I I am putting you to the side, and I'm making myself a little God. I'm becoming one of the Greek gods, something that I can control. And when I make it through this, it's my success, not yours. That's the problem, guys. Why do so many people, there's two, there's two things. We'll see it right here. People will fall into sin after they've failed, and they fall into sin after success. Why? The ones in the middle, they just don't know. They're who Paul's talking about. They don't know. But how many Christians do you know? The ones in the middle, they just, do, they just do life. You look at them all the time. They own businesses, they do this stuff. They're just, they're just living life, they don't know Jesus. God's not hold, will they go to heaven? No, but God's not holding against them. But how many supposed followers do you see that when something super successful happens to them, they sell a business, or business is rocking and they have an affair? How many people that when you see something really goes bad, Something goes bad, it's rocking, it, everything just collapses on them, relationship, business, whatever it is. They either bite a bullet, commit suicide, or they have an affair. Or they turn to thievery. How many people do you know like that? See it all the time. Why? Because their success is based upon a God of their hard work or whatever they did, and the success and their failure is a God that they thought they could control, that they can't live up to, now has failed them. They have no other place to turn. Yet they say that they love Jesus. But what the reality is, they have not been delivered of the God that controls them. And the God of success is you're successful here. You can be successful with the mistress. That's right. I will reward myself with that. And the God of everything will forgive me of my sins. That is bad theology. Watch this. We'll close it out. It's hot, I know. At the phrase, raising him from the dead, the listeners split. Some laughed at him and walked off making jokes. Others said, let's do this again. We want to hear more. But that was it for the day, and Paul left. There were still others, it turned out, who were convinced then and there and stuck with Paul. Among them, Dionysus, the Aeropagat, and the woman named Demarius. At that very moment, Those two people are named in the chronicles of history. When I say history, not human history. Again, my name, I have to tell you, dude, their name is in the Bible. My name's never going to make the Bible. My name's going to make it in the story of heaven. Right? These cats right here, you know why I believe they're there? They're there for one of you. They're there for you. You know why? Your story's in the story. Of a person that was seeking truth, that was seeking to be after, that was taking religious seriously, and then the moment they got the truth and realized that they were in error, they immediately stopped what they were doing and said, Paul, I'm going to follow the God that was raised from the dead. And God wrote their names. It's this weird picture, guys. I'm telling you, it's a picture of the Lamb's book of life. Their name is written in the history of the Bible. The Lamb's book of life is real. He writes it right there. Those two. We know nothing else. It's them. They believe. And God said, ah, your faith. Eternity. That's for you and I, guys. I challenge you. Go home this week. Go home this week and pray. Read your word. Just ask the Lord, Lord, is there any of these little things? The little things that I never really thought about that are there. Don't make them up. Don't try to find something. That, that's the worst thing you could do. Try to find something. You'll find all kinds. Don't do it. Just pray and say, Lord, reveal to me. Because he's not going to confuse you. Let me tell you, if you pray, Lord, reveal something, and you get flooded with 88 things, start your prayer like this. Listen to me. This is important. Lord, as we talk right now, I pray that you as the Holy Ghost will protect this conversation just between me and you, my mouth to your ears, Father, my mouth to your ears and nothing else. I give no dominion for any of the evil to listen to this. Lord Jesus, is there anything in my life that not, should not be here that i made an idol to, that takes place of you even though I worship you? The God of all creation will not confuse you because he is not the God of confusion, if you say a prayer and you get super confused by it, the enemy is popping in trying to confuse you. And then you'll blame God for it. Every time I ask God, so confuses me. God's saying, hey, stop. One at a time. One at a time. Why? Because I'm the God that can take away all at one time, and I'm the God that can take one at but I'm concerned with you. I made you in my image because I love you. I made you in my image because you're beautiful. You're masculine. I made you in my image to change the world and all of eternity. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for opening our hearts to it. Lord, thank you for giving us understanding of tough things. Lord, we love you. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we boogie out of here, Eric and Cindy told me earlier that they hate Belize. They no longer love any of us, and so they're leaving us. And I'm just kidding. I'm a kidding right now. They're, they're abandoning us! No, they're not. They're not abandoning us. They just got to go home and do the work that God's called them to do. So I'd like to just... I think I need to wait. Lisa, where did Lisa go? Home? For what? Huh. I'm supposed to be praying for you right now. She maybe he's going home to get you something. You, probably something nice. You, a fat lip. I don't know. That's what I deserve most of the time. We're going to pray for Eric and Cindy as a body. So what we'll do is we'll have them come up and sit up here. And, and um, those of you that want to pray and lay hands, way, we can do it.